Hi, everyone. It's Nika, the founder of Urban Remedy, welcoming you to the You Are Love podcast, inspiring health through food, lifestyle, and making conscious choices. Today, I am speaking with Rochelle Robinette. She is an herbalist, educator, and lifelong naturalist. Rochelle combines holistic herbalism experience with today's health science, and she's also the founder of Supernatural, which includes herbal gummies, which we love at our Urban Remedy stores. We offer them there. And she also holds certificates in complementary and integrative health and clinical herbalism. And Rochelle has been studying the relationship between plants and people her entire life and around the world. So welcome, Rochelle. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to talk because I have not done a podcast with another herbalist and I studied, you know, I'm an acupuncturist, so I studied Chinese herbal medicine. So I'm excited um, to have the conversation today around herbal medicine with our different backgrounds. And so I'd love to start out just, I'd love to hear how you got interested in herbalism and I'd love to learn more about your background. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I usually, you know, say that there was no before and after you know, for me being an herbalist or sort of being on this path, but there was a time at which I didn't realize that that's what I was doing or that that's the, the life that I was living. So, you know, I grew up in the Pacific Northwest uh, on a farm primarily and had parents who worked in medicine separately. My father was in um, Western medicine and, you know, dealt with medication and surgery and, and that sort of thing. And then my mom is very alternative and works with nutrition and dietetics and, and, you know, natural remedies and supplements. And, you know, so I came from homes that were very health aware and I was like, I took to that and I loved it, but it was so it is so ingrained in me that I didn't recognize it as something special or different, or, you know, it was never something that I intended to make my career. Instead, I wanted to move to New York City and work in fashion. So it's like, <laughs> get me away from the farm, get me away from the dirt, you know, let me go live my life in the way that I want to live it, which is glamorous and, you know, city based and all these sorts of things. And long story short, you know, I, I realized at a certain point that that was all very gratifying, but that this other side of me that I had kept, you know, personal and private until, you know, I was about 30 probably was kind of begging to get more time and more light. And the world also wanted that from me. So it was, you know, it was a moment of me really sort of allowing this part of me to develop and to become public and to share it with people. Um, I, I describe it as coming out of the closet. You know, it was very much like a moment of, of coming out for me uh, and just kind of allowing myself to be more fully actualized. And that was the point at which I started to use the term, you know, herbalist or holistic health practitioner, health coach, and um, sort of accepted the responsibility and the future that came along with that role. So did you do a program like a herbalist program? Or were you kind of like practicing and learning, you know, with your mom? Or how did that kind of journey unfold for you? Sure. Yeah, from an educational standpoint. So I started, you know, quote, unquote, studying uh, natural medicine when I was really young. Uh, I was just fascinated. I was on a, a spiritual journey, personally. So I was interested in spirituality and consciousness and 
the sort of associated topics that go along with that. And so I was, I was reading everything I could get my hands on. And then when I was old enough, I was going to places or experiences where you could explore those ideas. So I can remember being probably in like middle school and I was shadowing a traditional Chinese medicine practitioner because I was fascinated with um, acupuncture and moxibustion and the herbs and the whole, that whole system. And then I became very enamored with uh, the Ayurvedic system and yoga and went, you know, deep into exploring that. So there was a ton of self-study that started, you know, when I was pretty young, continued basically nonstop until now. Like I'm still, I'm still always enrolled in some kind of study, but when I decided to start coaching people, then I, again, this sort of word of responsibility comes up. Then I felt like I needed to go get a more formalized education, both for the sort of credentials and so that I could fulfill and feel, you know, well qualified to serve people well. So then, yes, I studied um, complementary and integrative health. And then I went and worked or studied with um, Thomas Easley for herbalism. And then I studied with David Winston for herbalism and also so many teachers in between that it became this kind of cobbled together education that was actually quite substantial. And that was recognized by the American Herbalist Guild recently. So I didn't go do, you know, a two or three or four year program that had you right. know, everything in it. I just sort of built it all all together. Yeah. I love that. And I can totally relate to that because I, we have a lot of similarities. I've, I've been on, you know, my mom has always been, you know, way ahead of her time in terms of like health and spirituality and, you know, all of that. So I grew up kind of in the same realm. And so I learned so much just because I lived it like you. And I always knew that I was a healer and that, you know, I studied Reiki when I was really young and was exposed to all different traditions as well. Um, and then when I realized I wanted to work with people is when I, you know, went to acupuncture school because I felt like I had to, you know, it's like you almost feel in our society that you have to validate yourself with this degree because then people will take you more seriously rather than, you know, being apprentice or something like that, which is, it, which is just as relevant. But I did learn so much in acupuncture school and especially, um, I went to a school that was very heavy on herbs and herbal education. And so learning about the herbs from the teachers that I had, I went, I, you know, it was like the herbs became like people. And so I don't regret it. And I think that it is important to have the ability to be able to recognize like specific signs of more serious disease and things like that to be a responsible practitioner. But it's different from anybody, everybody, but I, I, I love that you, your education didn't define who you were, but I understand why you did it. So I'd love to learn more, like, what what's your philosophy? Because um, this is something that I've really been delving deep into, um, especially the last couple years around people and plants and, and kind of how they intertwine and interact together. The, the first thing that comes to mind, which I'm generally compelled to share is, you know, that the relationship between people and plants is that we are all, you know, both and all nature. And, you know, we tend to suffer a bit, you know, when we forget that. And when we forget that, you know, in a sort of conscious way or a subconscious way or in a way that we move through the world. And, 
So I think it even expands beyond just plants, you know, for me in, in that we're all this, you know, organism, we're all this ecosystem. And so there's that. (laughs) And then, you know, um, in terms of people and plants specifically, of course, we have a very, we have a fascinating relationship, so many things that are similar, and then so many things that are synergistic in terms of how, um, you know, we can use plants and benefit from things that they have evolved to, you know, offer, if you will, not that they've evolved to offer them to us specifically, but we choose to take advantage of them, you know, from phytochemicals and nutrients and that sort of thing. But yeah, I would say for me, it's very much about this sort of, we're all nature. And Mm -hmm. the more we can remember and practice that, uh, the better we tend to feel Yeah, I love that. And I think, you know, what you said about the synergy, it's like, you know, sometimes or often, you know, we, you know, somebody will say, oh, well, I'm, you know, I'm taking the part of the plant that they found does X, Y, or Z. And then there'll be like a specific side effect or something. And I'm just always amazed because, you know, like they'll always be like, oh, this is like what's on trend now, whether it's like turmeric or skullcap or whatever the the herb is. And then they try to take out the active constituent in the herb because that is the part of the plant that has been scientifically shown to have a certain benefit. But when you look at the synergistic, I mean, and that's one thing I love about Chinese medicine and, and all herbalism is the plant is like perfect the way it is. And it has every, it has like the micronutrients and even the fats and all of these beautiful aspects already in it that when you take out one part of it, it actually, you're losing that like magic and synergy that's in the plant. It's just so such a perfect kind of analogy to Western medicine and just, you know, how we look at the parts and it's like, oh, this one thing's bothering me. So I'm going to give you something for this one thing rather than look at, you know, the synergy of our bodies. And I, for me, the past, you know, couple of years with my own journey, I've, you know, that's been my biggest healing is really remembering, especially with my background, that my body knows what to do and knows how to do it. Just like the plants, we don't tell them what to do. You know, they need sunshine and water and they just grow. And it's the same with our, our bodies, which I think is such a beautiful thing and something that, you know, I think the world is, showing us right now with everything that's been going on is we're, we're so off balance and we're so sick and our, the way we farm and our ecosystems are so off that the, you know, the more that we remember what you said, which is we are nature and nature is us and living, you know, learning to live in harmony with nature, you know, is the real path to healing. Yeah, I agree with all of that. And it, you know, it reminds me of something that comes up often in the conversation around cleansing and detox, but is really relevant in a lot of other places too, which is that, you know, bodies tend to, of course, there are exceptions, but the exceptions are far more rare than, you know, than common. The body tends toward this, toward the balance, toward health, toward, you know, cleanse or detox, if that's the conversation. Uh, It is constantly, you know, trying to recover and trying to be well. And so much of what we do when we do it, you know, quote unquote wrong is we get in the way. 
you know, we get in the way with um, either our lifestyle or our food choices or these other things. And, uh, and there's this even tipping farther in that direction right now, like you've mentioned, being off balance, where we're then trying to rectify it by sort of adding more into the equation. And often the best thing is to actually just remove these, you know, obstacles or these challenges or these um, bad food choices or whatever they are and let the body get back into the homeostasis that it's craving, you know? So I find that that's a, that's actually really powerful and sometimes a relief for people when they recognize how to do it because it's simpler, you know, it's less instead of more. Yeah. It's like getting out of your head and trying to figure it out and just letting your body do what it needs to do. And then I go, I like vacill like I, that for me is definitely the foundation and the first part of healing. And then you know, there's so many rabbit holes to go down. Then, you know, you're looking at like the soil health and like the spraying of glyphosate and all these things that we're exposed to, you know, which is kind of the impetus for me starting Urban Remedy and being able to offer food that's all organic where, you know, you know, that it's not sprayed and there's no GMOs and all those ingredients and everything. But I agree. It's like, you can't get caught up in the fear of all those things. It's like knowing, um, you know, what you need to do to stay healthy, which is like what you said is eating, you know, healthy food and drinking clean water and making sure you're sleeping and all of those things and being exposed to nature and sunshine. But then also in, in our modern world, you know, we are exposed to so many things, you know, with like 5G rolling out and all of these things. And so not to get into fear, but then, I guess I've come to the point where I'm like, I think the more I just go inward and just have peace in myself and not go down the rabbit holes, I'm hoping that's what's going to change things more than, you know, getting in the fight of all the the stuff, you know, <laughs> like the illness of the, you know, the illness of the world and like all these choices that we're making, you know, they're, I was just reading this thing, they're releasing uh, GMO mosquitoes in California soon. And it's like things like that, you know, and you're like, why are we messing with like, we have this beautiful um, ecosystem that is like doing fine. Like, why do we have to do these things? It just, and that's, those are the things that kind of keep me up at night. Um, Yeah. Well, I, I guess what comes to mind is that we just have to choose our battles, right? Yes. And, you know, for some people, they may move out of California because of that, you know, and others are going to have to let it go like it's just yeah yeah you just have to choose yeah my yeah in my studies the last couple years it's like okay just like staying in my center and just like finding the peace within me has been you know really my my best medicine rather than going the other direction (laughs) um so what are your like just for the listeners and with your background and kind of you know living this in this modern world what would your top few tips be on um ultimate vitality and health and wellness? Yeah, well, for me, it's definitely food first. You said it right, you're doing it right. You know, it's the power of food is impossible to overestimate. You know, if we, if we have food that's grown in great soil and is fresh and is local and all of these things, you know, we would need so much less uh, supplementation or so much less, you know, other support. And of course, that's not accessible for everyone. And so, you know, we have other conversations and other resources, but uh, kind of back to my previous point too, starting with the simplest, seemingly simplest thing, um, you know, what we eat and drink every day is just 
it's phenomenally important. So I always start there with people and, you know, I would say the majority of the life changes that happen in the work that I do with people comes because we transform their relationship with food or their nutrition, you know, and then build on top of that. So food matters so much to me, you know, and my pillars in personally and professionally are, are not really going to surprise anybody. It's like food, water, sleep, exercise, <laughs> you know, but I don't think it's surprising, <laughs> but I think it's a, such a good reminder. Cause those are all the things that in, you know, our modern busy lives that we don't do. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like you wake up and you run to work and you, you know, and then it's like you stay up late or you're not eating the right food. And so I think it's so important to remind people. It's like the really simplest things are the most important. Like you said, like so much eating, yeah. sleeping, getting sun, being in nature, slowing down and drinking clean water, you know, can be life-changing for so many people because we're not taught that those are pillars of health. You know, no, even when you, I have a, a close family friend who's dealing, unfortunately, with cancer right now. And I've, you know, been giving her, you know, doing her whole diet stuff for her. And and last night she texted me and she goes, I was at, you know, the cancer center. She's chose to do chemotherapy. And she's like, you know, they told me that, you know, I shouldn't drink too much green juice because um, it might enhance the growth of my tumors. What? Uh, yeah. What? And I was just like, I'm like. <laughs> Um, okay. I'm like, well, I'd like to see, or I, I, I initially, I was like, I want to go to your appointment with you. I'd love to talk to this person. Like oh my cruciferous gosh. vegetables have been proven that they have like anti-cancer properties, like even by the, I think the American Cancer Association, you know, it's things like that, where that, these are the times when you're in a health crisis or something where it would be so helpful, you know, to talk to people about just simple things like vitamin D and sunshine and the immune system. But instead, we're just, you know, because the, you know, we don't need to go down the rabbit hole, but the pharmaceutical companies, you know, are in charge of um, the standard of care in medical hospitals. There's just so much that's lost. That's so sad. Yeah. So anyway, so please talk about the simple things is my point. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, thankfully I do, I do get to do that with my platform and, and with, you know, my community, but yeah, it really is about that. And I think, you know, it reminds me of a session that I was in yesterday with a really long-term client that I have, and they happen to be in a period of life where they're, you know, they have young children and they're not sleeping well. And they're looking for, you know, all kinds of supplemental support for getting through the day without like cravings and crashes and all the things that happen when we don't sleep enough. And of course, in their situation, you know, it's a combination of the need to sleep more and then we can also supplement. But it's such a perfect example of like just more sleep and it could be one hour, it could be two hours, it could be 30 minutes, but just more sleep is going to take away the need for something to stabilize your blood sugar something to wake you up in the morning, something to keep you awake in the afternoon, something to help you go to sleep at night because your, you know, cortisol and circadian is, is screwed up. It's like all of that would be, you know, uh, remedied by a little more sleep. So I, we, we don't realize that I think in mass right now that, you know, you want to lose weight, sleep more, yeah. <laughs> you know, things like that. Um, there's, it's, it's so powerful. Yeah, yeah, it's so true. I was just talking with a friend about sleep and the brain and how the brain, uh, you know, when we sleep, our brain detoxifies and they've found out that we have a system called the glymphatic system. And when we sleep, our brain 
shrinks a little bit. So it's like the lymphatic system in the brain actually can um, detoxify. And um, it's so interesting and makes so much sense. But yeah, sleep is one of the, it's so, so important. And it's so tough when you have little kids, you know, and, and the lack of sleep. I had that for, I was just laughing this morning. I dropped my son off at school and he, you know, woke me up super early, which he does a lot. And I'm like, why am I, he's 10 years old and I feel like he still sleeps like a newborn. I'm like, I can't, it's, <laughs> it makes me crazy, but um yeah, it's hard for new new mamas for sure. It makes sense, you know, with your background why you started herbals. But tell me a little bit more about your impetus and how that happened. With the products, when I started Supernatural, it, I think it's been eight years now. I actually had products early on. It was like one of the first things that I did. I was really, I've always loved the product space. I'm really fascinated by the ability to meet people in a physical way um, with a product. And I think I spend so much time tasting and testing and trying all these things that, you know, I see a lot of what works and what doesn't and what's not in the marketplace. And anyway, so I, I started out with products pretty early and I had a lot of teas and potions and uh, I had a coconut pulling oil was my very first product and this this neat little line. But because I was young in my you know, career and in building Supernatural at that point, you know, after a couple of years, I realized that it was starting to feel a bit scattered. And, you know, I recognized that in order to, you know, do something well, often we need to focus and it's, it's hard to do teas well and potions well and coconut oil well and like all these different things. And so, you know, I sort of took a look at the, the line and I said, do any of these products represent me so much so that like I would be happy being known as the coconut pulling oil girl. <laughs> it's like, no, they don't. You know, this one's too witchy and this one's too cosmetic and this one is too whatever. And so I took them all away. I took, I, you know, I, I let them sell out and then I just took it all down and I took a break for like two years. And in that time period, I just, I was, I had opened the cafe and I was seeing tons of clients and teaching tons of classes. And I was just watching people interact with herbs, powders, tinctures, drinks, all the stuff, and waiting for like this concept to come to me that would be the thing that, that I could marry, and that I felt like was going to work really well in the space. And, you know, one day it arrived, and I realized that I wanted to do gummies. And I wanted them to be, you know, their food, they're super accessible, like tinctures are challenging for people often, powders can be challenging, but like, Everyone knows what to do with a gummy. Mm -hmm. They're fun uh, to eat. Everybody loves to totally, eat a gummy. Totally. And I could be uncompromising with the ingredients. You know, I was determined to like make something that was that was great and different and it would be herbalist formulated. And like gummies were not, you know, not in the market yet. Of course, there was there was the CBD gummy space that was sort of starting. So it was pretty early there. And I was just, I was like, this is it. This is this is my thing. Um, so I worked with a chef to formulate the recipe for, you know, scale and FDA compliance and all that. And I did the formulas myself and we, you know, developed the product and we launched with Nerveless. And then uh, a couple of months later, we launched, uh, Everyday Endurance. And then we, if I have my timeline, right. And I'm, can be terrible with timelines, but we had digestness ready to go, but I believe we, had to take a pause because of 
COVID, if that if that's right. And so Digestness came out right after COVID. Yeah, um, I love your products. I um, when the first time I saw them, I was like, oh, what are these gummies? And then I looked at the ingredients, and I was like, oh, this person really knows what they're doing. And I loved like everything that you put in them. And I was like, I I love these. They were so great. And I I give my son uh, the nerveless sometimes. Um, and like I said, it's so great because it's in a gummy form. And Kids it's, love the nerve less. Yeah. yeah. And it's super clean ingredients. So I love, I love your product so much. You did such a great job. I interview a lot of women founders and some men founders, but I love the point you just made when you were telling your story about honing in on like your real passion and what you want to be associated with or, you know, what, you know, in relation to your mission. And I always, you know, try to pull that out from founders. It's like, because sometimes people just want to do something just to do something. And I, my, my biggest advice is always like, find out, like, what is your passion? What do you love? Like, what drives you? What is your purpose here on planet Earth? And, you know, what are you going to do that makes you happy every day? And I love that you took the time off to figure out what it was that you wanted to do, because I can totally relate to the scattered, you know, we do so many things at Urban Remedy have so many SKUs. And it's sometimes I'm like, oh my God, if we just did two things, you know, there would be so much less complication. But anyways, I'm, I'm too far down that hole, but, um, and I love, you know, all, all the things that, that I get to create, but what other advice would you have for any women out there that are interested in, you know, starting their own business? I do think I want to say that it's um, that it's ideal or that it's preferable to really do something that is just like you mentioned, you know, your your passion point and close to your heart. And maybe it's, you know, in, in our example, I think it's very much an extension of who we are. Uh, but, you know, it would be unfair, I think, to those people who have simply a great business idea, you know, and they're like, I see a white space in the market and I want to take advantage of that. And it has nothing to do with my personality or my life passions, or, you know, maybe I can, I can be interested in it from a professional standpoint. And I do, you know, that works for some people, right? So I definitely wouldn't recommend against that. Of course, that's not been my path. And I don't think it's been your path or we've had a hybrid, right? You know, you're looking at the market, but this is still very much a personal venture. So I think, there's so many pieces of advice. Uh, I would say maybe if it's going to be, you know, more of the personal path as opposed to sort of the purely what do I want, like capitalistic path, then uh, I think it's important to, you know, try to, you know, maybe I'll backpedal and I'll say for me, one of the most important things, one of the most valuable things I've done is listen. That's actually been huge for me. So I listen to people. I listen to the market. I listen to like ether. I listen to my body. Like I'm constantly just like taking in this information from as many different sources as possible. And it starts to, you know, create a sort of constellation. It starts to create a map. It starts to create, you know, information that's going to guide you either it leads to you know an insight or an opportunity or it allows you to recognize what really matters to you but i think being open flexible and really just listening um you know that's been that's been a huge driver for me and for supernatural and what i've done is 
you know, allowed it to guide me personally, but also I have built many pieces of the business in response to a demand that I, you know, a demand or a question or something that just kept coming up. And we could, we could disregard that, or we could not be listening and not get it. But if you get the same question or the same ask, you know, a dozen times, I mean, that's why I, I even switched careers. It was like enough people asked me that I was like, okay, this is information I need to respond to. And so I'm going to move in this direction. So that will be my piece of advice. I love that. That's such good advice. We're so in our heads and we can get so mental and try to figure things out. Um, But when you listen and kind of see what shows up in front of you, you're kind of letting go of like the ego mental part and getting more in touch with your intuitive and kind of getting more in the flow. The other thing that that brings up for me is that like, we're, we're not, you know, entirely in charge of what's happening out here, you know? <laughs> so totally. when I think it's important when you do listen, it sort of forces you to, to recognize that you might have the greatest business idea in the world and you might imagine that everybody wants it, but they might actually not, you know? Exactly. So, it's so yeah. true. It's like a, <laughs> when I look back on my journey, you know, I had, I, was in private practice for um, 11 years, just seeing, you know, patients one-on-one, which I loved. And I was so sad to close my practice. Um, But life guided me and I've always loved to cook and food is definitely my passion. And, you know, everything just literally fell into, I never thought I would start a food company ever, ever. And it just happened. And I followed each thing that showed up in front of me. It was like, you know, people wanted more of this food and everybody, and then this happened and then that happened. And I never wrote it out. I never visualized it. I never, none of that. And I've had, you know, especially in the beginning of, of starting Urban Remedy, I remember being like, well, I'll probably, maybe this is going to last for a year. And, you know, right now this is what's happening. And I made so many mistakes and like, so, you know, went through so much, so many hardships, you know, learning because my, you know, my background's in Chinese medicine, it's not in business or finance. And so I made some poor decisions, but always, no matter what happened, something showed up to always save the day and keep me moving forward on this path. And that's like literally how I made it here today, where I never, you know, imagined we'd have, you know, um, so many investors and have, you know, all of these stores and this natural just national distribution but it all just has shown up and I've just followed and stayed open even the scariest times when I thought we might have to close. So I love that advice. And I, I really, I think it's really true. We, when we try to control everything and want things to be a certain way, the universe always shows, well, you know, if you listen, like you said, and watch for the signs, it kind of leads us. And sometimes it's not how we want it to be, but it, it takes us on this journey that's so beautiful. I would love to learn more about your book. I, I looked online and I saw a little bit, but can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. I would love to. So that, I mean, speaking of doing what you know matters to you, I think this project was incredible for that. And it came out of really a life-changing event, which was my father dying in 2020. It's crazy. It still feels like, you know, it was this year and it was unexpected and it was right at the beginning of COVID. So I wasn't able to be with him. And, you know, it was just very 
very intense experience. And when it happened, I, you know, took a total break from, I mean, work really slowed down anyway, because it was the beginning of the pandemic. So I was like, I just put an autoresponder on my inbox. I took myself off of social media. I was like, none of this matters. Like as much as I love Supernatural, none of this matters, you know, in relation to what's happening right now. And part of my, I think part of my existence is to explore the human experience. I mean, I know that that is part of my existence. And, you know, in that is to go toward challenge or sensation or, you know, any sort of emotion, any sort of experience that I'm presented with, like I go into it as, a, as opposed to away from it. And so I was like, I'm going all the way into this, you know, and I will, I will feel it all. I will see it all. I will absorb it all, integrate it all, just process this. And so I spent uh, quite a bit of time, you know, in a bunch of different ways, exploring this experience. And I ended up reconnecting with somebody from my past who is a creative coach. Um, she had been dealing with grief and death as well. And is just kind of a, a really like fluid uh, person who, who, you know, I, I synced with and she and I started to talk every single week uh, just about death and grief and my experience and, you know, what to do with it. And over the course of about a year, it became clear that I wanted to, uh, oh, we were actually doing some, some structured therapy too. So we were like drawing maps and exploring my relationship with my dad and kind of doing this cartography around, you know, what was happening to me and um, and it became clear later on that I wanted to create something out of the experience. And then I realized, you know, we came to the realization that I wanted to create something out of my journals. So I, I keep a journal I've been writing my whole life. So I had a ton of journals from that period of time. And so I uh, started to turn my journals into a book. Um, and I connected with another creative who's a visual and, you know, without going too, too long into this story, what was happening was I was, you know, number one, spending time with my dad and learning about death and grief and realizing that this is a topic that I wanted to keep in my practice forevermore, you know, just like we have all of this vitality in life and, you know, health in our practice, we actually need, you know, a death awareness practice as well. It's like sex education, we need death yeah. education, like, you know, we need to <laughs> recognize that this thing that's going to happen to all of us, you know, is right around the corner, you know, all the time. Um, and I was completely free to, I, I mean, I created the space for myself to be completely free to actualize part of me that hasn't ever been able to fully, you know, be actualized, which is, the artist and the, and the sort of public um, writer. You know, these, are things, these are things that I don't share with the world. And, you know, I was so emboldened by the loss that, again, sort of saying nothing mattered. I was like, I can, I can create whatever I want. I don't care if it sells. I don't care if people don't like it. Like, this is completely for me. And so I created this book, and it's very much meant to encapsulate that period of time what it felt like, what it looked like, you know, there, it's very much a multimedia book. It's, 
pieces of my journal and photos and like scraps from my dad's writing and all these different things that came together in this very, you know, experiential print piece. And if it hadn't been the pandemic, I would have created it into uh, like a gallery experience where you go in and it's very immersive and you hear and you see and, you know, maybe it will still be that. But then the closest thing that I could do when we were all, you know, locked down was actually to put it into print. So I love that. I'm going to I'm going to get a copy of it. I think that it's so beautiful because, um, like you said, the one thing that we all share in common is that we're we're all born and we're all going to die. And in our society, you know, we death is so shielded and we're so disassociated from death, even it, within, you know, like our farming system and our food system. And, and it's this like secret thing that you go into a room or a hospital and happens. And um, what a beautiful way for you to go through that grieving process by, you know, bringing it into art and words and photos and feelings. And that should just kind of be like a, a requirement anytime we lose somebody we love because grief, like you said, and I loved what you said about, you know, going towards your feelings um, and not away from them. Uh, I think that's like th- some of the best advice um, out there. I, my dad died suddenly in a car accident in 2006. And I went into like, I always call it like spiritual shock because I had no zero preparation and we were very, very close. And um, I didn't have the tools or the guides at that point in my life to do what you did, you know, to like have time to really grieve or understand the feelings or, you know, I, it was just such a, I was in such a different place and I, I felt like I had my practice and I had to like push through and I had to, you know, and, um, it stayed in my body for, you know, it, it's still in my body. I mean, you don't ever, you know, when you said, oh, you know, it's 2020 that this happened, but I still feel like it was yesterday. I'm like, God, my, my dad died in 2006 and I still feel like it was yesterday, but I found that because I didn't fully, um, go into my, the grief that I experienced, I held it in my body for so many years and it, you know, it manifested for me in, you know, not feeling good and illness or, you know, all of these things, um, And so, you know, until I did like some somatic experiencing and, you know, and I did a lot of work around it. I mean, I went to therapy and I did stuff, but I never went into it like with that kind of beautiful rigor that you did in that way. And I know it's different for everybody and some people write and some people just want to cry and scream or dance or I did. I remember when my, when right after my dad died, I remember I was with a, my best friend was staying with me. I would just like, I was just inside so much trauma and shock. We would just turn the music on and just dance for like an hour and just like shake my head and just like, you know, because, you know, that does help to, you know, release some of the trauma. It's true. I mean, I was so, I was angry in the beginning. I think I still am quite frustrated because I, I felt like I had no support system. Again, no, I was like, where is the world, like all of history's experience with this, where is it? Why don't I know what to do? Why don't I have a ritual? Why don't I have community that is going to like tell me what to do or how to do it? Like we, we have none of that, you know, in, 
in this in this day and age in this society of course others other societies do but um culturally it was it was awful and so i just um there's actually a list that i just continue to add to on my website of death and grief resources because i felt like at least i could try to share with people you know i consumed basically the only media i consumed books podcasts shows anything i watched was only death and grief related for at least a year i was just like give me everything you know i need to i need to kind of build a sort of support system here but yeah, it's, it's not around right now. It's really. Yeah. And there's so many good books. I mean, I did read, you know, a lot of books on death and dying. And I mean, there's, there is definitely good material, but it's more of like, you really kind of need a guide, you know, to help you. And it's kind of, you're, we're just not kind of, it's not a, normalized, you know, to go through grief. And so thanks for sharing that. I definitely would like to get your book and check it out. Well, thank you so much for speaking with me today and let us know um, briefly about your website or how people can find you and your product. Absolutely. Yeah. Everything is on our website. So it's the letter U, the letter R, supernatural.com. So you are supernatural.com. We have a newsletter. You can get the herbals there, but it's better if you get the herbals from Urban Remedy. We have online classes and yeah, it's all there. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. And hopefully I will talk to you again soon. Thank you. Thank you for joining us at the You Are Love podcast. For more episodes just like this, please subscribe. This is Nika and I'm wishing you a beautiful day.